What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a coach-client confidential with my coach, Joe Stanek, and this was the best coach-client confidential we've ever done. It was tons of fun to do. We had a really good meet at Mega Nationals, so recapping it was fun for us. Um, if you guys haven't listened to one of these episodes, we have about four or five of them. We talk about the prep leading up to Nationals, the meet itself, and then what we're going to do after uh, a lot of coaches, a lot of athletes enjoy listening to this because it gives you an in-depth look at our programming and how we try to figure out what to do after a meet and during a meet and some of the problems and issues that we had during the prep and how we got through those. Um, yeah, just a really good episode to listen to. And this one's just incredibly entertaining. About the hour mark, it gets pretty all over the place and spicy just some funny stories what happened in vegas and some plans that we have um after this meet so awesome episode always love doing these episodes with joe and this was in person again i went to austin texas to do this at game day barbell so fantastic fun awesome entertaining episode make sure you're subscribing on apple Podcasts, five star rating leave a review follow us on spotify as well and also Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Unfortunately, we won't be able to get this up to YouTube, but we'll have more episodes on YouTube, especially when me and Steve have our greatest hits type episode or little date nights. And without further ado, here it is. Two white lights. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. And as promised, I am here in beautiful Austin, Texas, doing an in-person, I wouldn't call it an interview, I'm going to call it the Coach, Con- Coach Client Confidential, this is like our 18th one, I don't know, it's been a lot. A lot indeed. Yeah, with unofficial co-host Joe Stanek, and also my coach, Joe Stanek. What's up, y'all? How you feeling, man? I'm good, dude. Um, I honestly feel like after nationals, so many things just in my own personal life mm-hmm. ramped up like crazy. I just got done moving. Yeah. Um, you know, got a lot of cool behind-the-scenes stuff happening here at, at game day. Uh, and, you know, no no rest for the wicked immediately coming off of nationals. But uh, happy for it. I, I love being busy. I'm, I think we were just talking about this uh, off, off mic, how it can be not fun to not feel like you're busy. Mm-hmm. So grateful for that, but good overall. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is my my first time visiting the newly renovated game day barbell with just way more combo racks and deadlift platforms, and it looks amazing. You guys did a fantastic job over here. It's definitely my favorite gym to train at. It actually overtook Surge. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, I know. I mean, Surge just has the home feeling. I mean, I feel like that's where I started my powerlifting career or my real powerlifting career was at Surge, but this one is just like you cannot appreciate that it's the best gym I've that at least I've ever been to. I mean, the space is huge, so many combo racks, so many comp-specific equipment. I mean, the Lyco kilos for days, bars for days. It's a perfect gym, man. You guys did a great job. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Um, I know if Tim were in here listening, he'd probably be crying right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, like so. Shout out to my my business partner Tim Thibodeau. His like his expertise in constructing things is half the reason that game day 
looks as good as it does. Yep. Um, really, really happy that it turned out the way that it did. And uh, yeah, thank you, man. That's a big honor. No, uh, suck it, Sergio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a big one right there because Serge was Sergio. I mean, Serge New Levels is still like my home, um, and no, there's no place like home. But coming here, visiting Austin, it's always a great experience. Coming to game day, like I. Enjoy it every single time, but, you know, uh, when we started from, let's get down to business here, what we got from the onset or from the start of the show, we just came off of Nationals, the dust has settled, everything is clear, the moment, the feeling of accomplishment is kind of over for me, that feeling is done, the honeymoon phase is done, so we got to get back on to programming, we got to talk about Nationals, this is a really beneficial podcast. For people who just want to know about coaching and athletes, how they interact, and we've been doing this for a while. It's always a popular podcast, so um, and I think it's a perfect time to do it because I always have like a time frame of post-big meet. The, first, the day after a big meet that you did really well at, you know, it's kind of that honeymoon phase of you think you're on top of the world. The second day, things start to mellow out a little bit. Third day, you start to really look at the broader picture of like okay we could have fixed something here you know we're still not number one we're not even a clear number two and then like the fourth day is okay let's get back on the prep like or let's get back in the gym because like this little vacation thing is done with and we're way past that we've already started our first uh first block yeah i mean well and that's how you know you're an athlete dude you uh you're always always ready to jump back on the grind but yeah um we i mean we had what turned out to be an excellent day at, at nationals. And I'm, I'm really proud of how that went, but I'm actually kind of like that when it comes to like my clients meets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel exactly the same way. Like I'm, I'm riding that wave with you and then everything starts to set in like, Oh, here we can do this, this, and this, mm-hmm. um, especially after, I mean, nothing is better for figuring out what you want to do with an athlete than being able to observe them on the platform as you're coaching them. Uh, you know, you can look at, you know, every training video that you send over the course of a training cycle, but all that in-person stuff, that that's always going to be best. And then literally, like, on the platform, nothing tells me more about what we need to do with you than actually seeing you in the meet setting. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, as we usually do, we'll kind of probably break this down on a, a lift-by-lift basis, you know, talk about the competition and then... Uh, talk about what we're going to do going forward for, for each of them. Yeah. Well, I also just starting with, like, the program leading up to Nationals as well. Yeah. Because yeah, uh, yeah. we came off of back-to-back-to-back meet preps. We had Virginia Pro, Arnold, then Nationals. So way you program me was probably, I mean, it's going to be different, but also way more important because of, especially the Arnold being a meet where I was pretty snapped up. Going into it, it was a meet that, you know, we – we're struggling up until like the very last week. And then we didn't get a whole lot of break from the Arnold. We had to almost jump right back into a regular block going into nationals. So you don't have to spend too much time on it, but kind of break down what the ideas were going into nationals. Yeah, of course. Of course. So uh, like you mentioned, we, the Arnold was an interesting prep for sure, because it was kind of where like we were coming off of the Virginia pro. And obviously that was a, Pretty pretty down meet for us, save mm-hmm. the you know clutch deadlift that happened at the end there. Um, and the big thing after the Arnold, uh, especially considering we'd had so many 
bumps in the road with just, you know, having issues with like our, our hip and knees and just having to essentially halt um, what I would call a normal approach for us. My biggest goal when designing your approach going into nationals was just keeping you as consistent as we could possibly be. So th- just having having that sort of sense of momentum in, in training again, uh, as much as is possible, having already gone through two back-to-back meet preps. So the big change that I made a- across the board on all of the lifts was we started off your sort of volume phase, base building phase, whatever you want to call it, a little bit more conservative mm-hmm. to times past. One, again, because we were just super beat up. But two, I had this idea that because we were considerably stronger, but also just considerably more, we'll, we'll say fatigued across the board, both like mentally and physically, that you just kind of needed a little bit of downtime, which of course you don't really get when you're doing back-to-back meat preps. But I knew that if I just pushed you right from the start, you were going to fizzle. Mm-hmm. So that first month, so we started prep for nationals on the week of March 14th. And that first month, we kind of took it a little bit more conservatively compared to some of your base building phases past. Like on the squats, for example, your secondary squat day, your volume squat day, whatever you want to call it, um, we only were doing three sets. And for you, like especially on your volume squat day, that's kind of unusual because there'd usually be a top set in there. There'd usually be maybe like one more back down on average, especially during those phases. But we, we pulled back on that. And I would, I would say, it, at least in terms of creating a little bit more momentum to where your secondary squat day, which I'll get to that, or not secondary squat day, your primary squat day was stronger. Um, I think that was kind of the first step. And then, of course, the fact that we did not go back to squatting three times a week, which we made that change, you know, leading into the Arnold. Um, but I, I just elected to say we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a huge change on that one. And then uh, the other big thing was, even though you're somebody who, one of the few lifters that I coach that has, like, singles pretty much all the time on a lot of the lifts, uh, I pulled back on those for pretty much all the lifts. And that was something that I think, again, just benefited you in that you didn't have the mental, like, psych-up that comes along with doing singles consistently. I just think because we had those back-to-back meet preps, we really just needed to stay away from that yeah, for a little while. I, I don't know. How, how did that feel in your experience now having gone through it? It's good. It, yeah, it, it's good. I do like the singles mostly for practice. I like that um, RP, like, five to seven single just to kind of feel out the weight and get better at executing one lift because I noticed with, you know, any sort of rep range above one, you get the stretch reflex and you get to improve yourself, which is actually good for practice um, as well or just getting that movement pattern. But um, I did like the fact that we have three because then it, it kind of just – it eliminates the pressure of executing that single well because I think I'm pretty I, – I can get pretty hard on myself if the single doesn't move at, like, say, if it's an RP6 and I move at RP7 and it kind of feels like your workout's a bit wasted. Um, I mean, you can still use it as data, but it's like, damn, you know, like you look forward to the training all day and then if you don't execute that one single, it's, it's like shit. Like, that was what we were building up to is that top set or that top single, and I fucked it up. And we could only recover on the back downs, but still you want it to be the top set being the one thing you walk away with. With the triples on um, squat and 
deadlift, you know, you can correct some things. You can find a little bit more of your position and you can really recover from possibly a bad first rep or you can nail all three and, you know, you can walk away with just a better, um, with a better feeling of how training went. Right. And yeah, I, 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 you, you mentioned that too. I think because we were, especially leading into the Arnold, because we were kind of second guessing a thing or two. Um, I think that being able to kind of correct yourself in those like higher levels of intensity with multiple reps on your top sets, I think that actually ended up helping us a lot mm-hmm. um, because I do think that over the course of the training cycle, your technique kind of started to even out over time. There, we obviously, yeah. you know, had some days that were that were still like not quite where we wanted them to be, but I would say you had a lot more good days this training cycle. Oh yeah, I mean for the Arnold, it was really bad training weeks up until the last two weeks. Um, nothing was really good from the Arnold prep. We couldn't squat into the 600s until very late in the prep. We were kind of deadlifting in the sevens. Um, things were just not going well. We're like this time, like, okay, my body at least feels good. Like everything like feels really decent. So it's not like, I, and I'm not, I'm not dialing down training, like auto regulating tw- 10 kilos off of my top set, which was happening for the Arnold. Yeah, exactly. And that's just, as a coach, I mean, obviously as a lifter, but as a coach, you know, alarm bells are going off. So you, you want to do everything that you can to circumvent that. Um, and then the other the other big thing that I think I'll mention here um, was right towards the end of your Arnold prep, I started to notice something about your bench press. And that is that if we're doing, I guess what you would call I don't want to call it junk volume, but if we're doing volume that is just a little bit too easy in terms of it doesn't challenge you to maintain your technique well, uh, I noticed that that didn't really contribute. This sounds obvious now that I'm saying it out loud. It, it didn't really contribute that well to your bench press, right? Yeah. Um, so what I took in this approach, and this was probably the biggest change out of anything else, is other than one day, um, we were doing a lot of moderate to low repetition bench press compared to the last couple of training cycles. And I think that's where we finally started to pick up some momentum on, on the bench press. Um, and needless to say, uh, I mean, I, not without skipping ahead too much, like I know um, bench is still kind of that lift that is the Achilles heel in your total at the yeah. moment. Um, but it's given, me, it's given me some hope to see that your bench press is is at least sort of starting to trend in the right direction with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like kind of the overarching concepts. Um, just, I don't know if you want to want to talk about the cycle itself or you'd prefer to kind of go into each lift and then we can talk about those individual points. Oh, uh, we can go into each lift because I think I could, I obviously could provide private insight on it. Cause so, cause squat was something interesting because after the Arnold, I kind of need the turnaround that we had. And I was already thinking, like, we're not going to just put on five kilos on an RP10 squat that I hit at the Arnold. So, like, going into training, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I, I, I'm not too confident we're going to hit, like, seven or 672 on meet day and make a big jump. Like, what people assume that's going to happen from prep to prep, like, oh, you did 300 at the Arnold? Well, you're going to do 302 to 305, right? That's how powerlifting works like no it's, it's not it's more difficult than that and i still think it was a very successful 
training block with my squats. I felt good during them. There's a few hiccups here and there, but I think it was just like we were pretty damn fatigued on squats. We were just hitting, and that was and that was the hit lift we PR'd at the Arnold, right. and we like didn't really take a whole lot of steps back from the squat. We were trying to keep it relatively the same and increase it. And I think with a longer off season, that's where you get the improvement in the squat. But I was going into nationals being like 300 would be a good end goal. Right. Um, especially with how nationals works. Nationals is a meet where, you know, you're playing based on other lifters, what they're hitting. And Sean missing a second squat gave us a thing. Like we don't need to go 300. We have hit 297 and a half in comp and in the gym many times. So we can act, or not many times. I mean, I think only like twice. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's, it's a fairly conf, more confident lift than I have than this 300 hitting that twice or three times, twice in the gym, once in competition. But I know how hard 300 can be. Right. Um, so like, I, th- I think we have good data to work with. I think um, one thing that I kind of wanted to go on, John Song helped me uh, for the Arnold. Mm-hmm. I got to get, I lost a Word document that he sent me oh, no. of, like, the cues. I need that sent back to me because it was after we had that discussion. I mean, granted, it was mostly the PT work he was doing on me that was getting me pain-free squats that was helping. Right. I remember there was a cue that or the movement pattern to kind of think about during the squat, and I kind of lost that, like, as I was prepping for nationals, and I'm trying to, like, practice it because we have a shit t- long period of off-season stuff to work on, but... Um, I still think like just the fact that squats didn't hurt every single time I got under a bar and we were able to hit some solid rep work and singles. I think squat, I mean, we didn't change a whole lot No, with squat from Arnold to nationals aside from just maintaining a consistent 600 range for my top sets. Right. Yeah. So just to kind of set the stage and, and go over like the, the backup and go over the actual meet and the attempts, um, so we, you know, opened you up a your pretty normal range. Um, and, yeah, like you kind of mentioned before, Nationals is the one time where you can be a national champion, you know, where we're, where we're fighting for something other than just getting you the best total. Po- I mean, we are trying to get you the best total possible, but, yeah, we have to play the game. So, I, you know, I'm up against legends in the sport is as far as coaching goes at that point like i've got matt gary looking at me with with deuce i've got you know obviously joey and and russ and then of course steve and sean um so of course i'm paying attention when i'm i'm choosing your attempts there and i I think when we ended up when well when sean ended up missing um i at at that point i was a little bit more focused on what uh, Deuce was going to be taking on his third. And that's kind of why I was like, okay, let's just go 297. Because I knew, I knew even though that might be slightly difficult, what I was actually thinking more about was, believe it or not, your performance at the Virginia Pro. Yeah. Because I couldn't help but think to myself, like, so if any of you guys remember the episode about that particular uh, meet, we talked about where that 350 deadlift just came from. Yeah. And I couldn't help but think to myself, okay, if we can just get a similar situation to where Angelo's third squat is good but not too hard, we can put something on the bar and, and really make it move. So that was why we ended up picking 297. Because um, honestly, I think you probably had the strength for PR that day. 
I, I, I probably could have. Yeah, I mean, uh, 297, because I remember, I mean, actually, if we're just going into, because uh, we're taking lift by lift, and we could just cover the Nationals for every single lift. Yeah. It was the same exact strategy for 2021. Yep. It was literally the same exact thing. It, it, like, you, it, it, nothing really changed. I hit the same squat, the same bench, and we saved it for deadlift, and it was because Sean missed 285, and then we had to go play off of other lifters, so Delaney and Deuce, and we decided 297, even though we possibly had. I think that was probably the best my squat has ever felt. Yep. Um, was that 2021? I think I could have got 302 and a half that day. Agreed. Um, But we just – Played it by ear, and then like when people were telling me like what was the strategy, I'm like, really, it was the same exact thing. It just it turns into a heavier deadlift, yeah. and that was that would have been the strategy at 2021 if it meant beating. It, it only I think the only situation where we would have marked up to deadlift higher in 2021 if it was to beat Russ, correct? And we were far above. The, I mean, far beyond that uh, at 2021. Like we couldn't load anything on the bar really to even challenge him or anything realistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, really it was kind of the same meat. Um, I thought two ninety seven and a half moved. It wasn't my best executed squat. I was having a hard time finding footing that day. Um, we were switching around to squats. I think the biggest adversity was going from the higher heel to the lower heel and really not getting, I, I felt like my footing wasn't as stable as it was throughout prep and I could feel it being better with the higher heel. I think it just wasn't enough time to really practice the movement in 13 weeks, so we had to resort to the lower heel, which clearly I I could do. It's not it's not the hardest thing in the world switching from heel to heel. It's not like the biggest adverse thing in um, or it doesn't bring a lot of adversity. Right. Switching heel size for me, right. um, I knew like okay, if we go to the lower heel, I could possibly hit 297, 300. Which, if I'm asking for anything more, it's pretty unrealistic. So. Again, I think if I asked you, like, if it was a training day and I was just like, if I asked you to hit 302, I think you could have hit it and it would have been the grindiest squad of all time, but I think you probably would have got it. Yeah. Um, but now, like, having, you know, seen that final squat, especially from, like, the point of view where you can really see your positional management, going forward, that's going to be what we need to focus on the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've mentioned we've kind of already started our next block, and that's that's one of the reasons why your secondary squat day is now tempo squats. Yeah. Um, now, mind you, you know, you and I have been talking about it and playing around. Maybe we need to, you know, modify that even further because you basically already do a tempo squat. Yeah, it's, it is it, – it turns into, like, the tempo squat turns into a excessively slow squat, which it still has the intended purpose of maintaining that proper position – in and out of the hole. Um, but I think if we do a three-second tempo down with a pause, a three-one-zero, I think we would uh, we would get some better results without, like, potentially just wearing out my legs from the super slow descent down. Like, I think three seconds is slowing it down just enough because I think my normal tempo is two, probably two and a half seconds. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but the pause there would be the big thing is, like, Maintaining that position and slowing down as you get in a hole to understand, like, what's going to be the most optimal position getting out of it. Yeah, exactly. So the, the, way, that, the way that I've kind of set up the protocol is, like, compared to your setup going into, into Nats, uh, you have slightly lower repetitions because your time under tension is going to be increased. Um, but adding that pause especially, I think, will, especially after talking, you know, off, off mic with you, um, I think that's that's probably going to be something that 
as weird as it might sound, boost your squat alone. Like, I don't think we have to add all of this. Because, you know, usually a lot of people, like, if they don't hit this massive PR, the way they think about it is like, oh, I need to change a million different things. I, I don't really think you need to change much at all. Yeah, because we, we've built so much momentum on squat already. Like, we're hitting some big PRs, relative speaking, from when we started. I mean, we've that, this is probably the most successful. I guess now deadlift is getting kind of nutty. But squat has been a lift that was, you know, kind of it was on average with everyone um, in the top 10. Now it's actually, like, within the top five. So we made a lot of progress there. We don't have to do a whole lot of changing. The only thing that's, like, hit those variations or hit those accessories harder build some big legs, and go from there. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I don't even think it's a matter of, like, that you don't have big legs. Like, you, you do, yeah. and, and you're you're not wrong that you, we need to build that. But what I'm saying is, is I think if we get your positional management down, I, I think you have the potential to springboard your squat. Yeah. Like, it'll just, it'll just shoot up a ton. Because y- you mentioned how the best your squat has ever felt was when we went into Nats and Daytona. Yeah. When that was the case, if you look back on on a lot of the training from then, you did not have those positional issues. Yeah, at least not maybe maybe here and there. Yeah, it was no, it was it was meant. I mean, that's the if so we archive the good um, training blocks that we've had or good footage that we've had of a lift going back. It's always that prep to Daytona. Because I was looking, it's like that's my positioning was perfect in that situation. Uh, the rep work we were doing too um, was was dialed in, and it was and it was like when we were first getting used to low bar, and I think that's when we kind of like hit it. I think now it's just the adjustment period of now working with a three hundred kilo squat and the fatigue, and then also with now a seven eighty seven deadlift, like managing the fatigue and getting used to. Um, being stronger, if you will. Yeah. And so we've also, you know, like, like you've mentioned before, we've committed to the, the higher heeled shoe. Uh, and I do think just getting some more time with that uh, in combination with this variation that we just talked about is, is going to be big. Um, and, and again, like the lesson we've kind of learned from uh, the, the Arnold prep and now this past prep to, to Nats, this, this two times a week squat kind of thing is probably our sweet spot with how strong you are now. Um, it worked Three times a week worked well for you before when you weren't as strong, but now you just simply don't recover. And that's what leads to, you know, if, if there's any coaches listening out here that can't figure out why their athletes are getting hurt despite them, you know, having all their ducks in a row as far as recovery goes, it's it's more than likely that the volume is just too much for whatever body part that is hurting to adapt to. Mm. So yeah. sometimes you have to go back a little bit in yeah. terms of what you're prescribing to get them to adapt better, which seems kind of weird. Um, yeah, less is more, really. Like, that's kind of how I thought about it going into, um, in, into squatting. Um, I think I thought I actually, me and Garrett had a conversation when we were in Miami of like, just, it was actually affecting my bench press, which we'll get to pretty much right now. But the low bar position was affecting my bench where it was fatiguing myself. So it's like, if we drop two times a week, maybe my upper body be saved a little bit more. And also with the nagging hip issue and, Lower back issue too, or not really. I I think it was glute more so, and then I was kind of shooting up to lower back. Um, that drop in frequency actually changed or uh, helped a lot there too. But um, yeah, so squat ended up two ninety seven and a half on meet day, just below a PR. Really happy with it. Um, wasn't too unhappy with how squats went. I think going one two, it, my first two attempts, 
getting my footing down was weird. Like, it felt light on my back, and then footing was just strange. I couldn't get into, like, my proper position. And then, like, really, yeah, getting in the hole, I think I was getting a little bit too far forward. Um, and then kind of my bar path was just a little bit off from there. So, um, yeah, uh, looking forward to building upon that. Bench press, in spite of the meets, you know, one se- or 167 not being able to hit it. We, I think, still did some good things. I think we recovered from the Arnold relatively well. I think we had some good positive momentum going from the Virginia Pro to the Arnold because Virginia Pro, really what made that meet bad was bench press. I mean, if we would have hit 165 on my bench press at the Virginia Pro, like, that's a good meet then. Like, we, we walk away with a really good total. We had a terrible bench at Virginia Pro. Um, and then after Virginia Pro, really, like, nothing was going much better until the last two weeks. Um, and I think we were we, – we started finding a little bit of a sweet spot. Again, I'm like, 13 weeks turnaround from Arnold to Nationals. We're not going to see a 172 to 175 bench. I'm like, I kind of just felt that. But I'm like, if we can match a 165 to 170 range, we're in still good shape. Um, and as long as we get hit it consistently and – Things were ending with, like, the, I guess the, the big cue change for that was um, the uh, covering the glutes. Yeah. Getting that leg drive going really early, that's helped, and I think that's something that I could continuously practice on, maybe changing my setup a little bit. Um, a lot of technical things, too, but walk me through the programming stuff with the uh, bench press. Yeah, so like I, like I kind of mentioned before, um, one of the things that I noticed towards the tail end of your Arnold prep that where – actually those last two weeks where things really started to go well, the common denominator was we were just doing a lot more like low to moderate rep stuff. It was something that I just had a, a theory about. And I was just like, well, it can't hurt at this point. And it, it worked. Um, and so my thought with designing this program going into nationals was, was kind of similar. So like the way that we had you, had you set up um, your your day one, uh, we were just kind of doing like just very moderate stuff. Like we started out just doing um, like a, cr- a close grip bench, which we later modified. Um, and then uh, comp bench, we had some like ascending sets up to a pretty high RPE, despite it being a, a secondary day. Um, and then we had your primary day originally on the same day that you were squatting. We later modified that so that you were doing that on the day by itself just mm-hmm. to not have any interference with low bar because we decided that, I don't know if you recall this conversation because you were the one who brought it up. Um, it was just like, I would rather have like a, as much momentum on my bench press and training as possible. And then ironically, this ended up being true on meet day. If it's a little bit down, it's a little bit down. Mm. Um, and then the only higher rep stuff you were doing, again, we started out with close grip bench press uh, at the beginning of the cycle. And then we transitioned that to just normal bench. Uh, but that was, the only thing that was higher up. And then I also added just as a, a little bit of extra practice on that day, we were doing sort of a secondary single at a very light RPE just to kind of get you another exposure with some, some sort of moderately heavy load. Yeah. Um, and yeah, th- that actually ended up working out pretty well I- as far as, cause I was going over the numbers originally just in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I didn't realize this, but you actually did hit like, some tonnage PRs as far as like the most weight that you've or the most sets and reps that you've done with different weights, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, I think the the biggest thing, and we were again talking about this kind of off mic, um, 
there's just some small little inconsistencies with your form, which unfortunately on a lift like the bench press that has a lot of different moving parts can be the difference between making or breaking a lift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on, on meet day, that was kind of the thought. Like I was actually, after your second attempt, you and I were going back and forth a lot about whether we should go 167 or 170. And I, I was actually going to put 170 in and you were like, nah, just put 167 in. And I was like, okay, fine. That's, you know, that's an easy, that's two and a half kilos less that you have to pull. And then I was, I was super surprised when you missed it. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I kind of felt it. Like, that's the thing with the bench press. I felt a little bit uneven on the bench. That's on me. I think I set up uneven. It's just something we have to practice. We got, like, this is probably the most delicate thing, and the most important thing for us is practicing what to do on bench and how to optimize bench in every way. Like, that is the focus, I think, for this entire prep um, is – really hammering down bench and working ourselves into a range where stuff is going to uh, like working ourselves into a comfortable range where it's going to keep us in the competitions because what, like I kind of realize everyone misses bench. Yeah. At, at nationals. Like a lot of people are, I mean, I say everyone facetiously, but like people miss their third attempts a lot. It's, it's, I, I have to, if there was a stat on it, I know Steve Denovi's not here. It's gotta be like the most missed lift. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the most mislift is actually third deadlifts, but I, I think it's close. It could be overreaching, though, for that. Like, it could be just, I think, just as far as, like, you hitting something in the gym consistently and then getting into the meets, you just don't hit it or as well, or it, you know, moves at RP10. Like, that's what I feel with bench press. So it's really just getting stronger on bench press, working ourselves into a range of 170 to 177.5 or 172 to 177.5 so we can play with the numbers a little bit. Um, and cause if we go, if we walk away with a 175 bench press, yeah. I mean, it's, we, we don't need to work. I mean, ideally you want to be over 400, right? That's of course huge, uh, but I mean, that's big. That's a PR for everyone, but sometimes like that's the unrealistic thing. And that's probably one of the more frustrating things on getting on Instagram. You have one good bench session. It's like 400 next. Like I am 30 pounds away from that. And 30 pounds is a lot in the bench press. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's a ton. Um, cause I feel the difference between two and a half kilos, uh, just being added to it every week. But if we could work into a heavier range where we are safe with 172, and then maybe the really aggressive move is 177 and a half. That's perfect. I think it's a perfect range to work in. Um, we just got to get there. We just got to get stronger. We got to be more consistent on things. And we got to practice it more because I think it's happened at most meets. We're just my third press is not as good as it was in the gym. That's why we don't do much more. And actually never. I think there was one time that we did 167 in the gym and then we did 170 on the platform yep. just once. Um, and I think it was a local. It was the Midwest primetime, which had a fat pad. Yep. And then, exactly at, and then at Ultimate Warrior was an ER rack, but it was a local meet. So maybe a little bit different. So it's just one thing could fuck up a bench press, and just as long, I mean, John Oriega misses two bench presses, and he still is in it with his bench, right? Because it's so big. But he has a hard time consistently hitting his uh, bench, and that's his best lift. Yeah. So I think just doing the right things more often and really nailing down those technical things. I think programming is something that I, I mean, it's obviously important, but I just know that how uneven my bench is. You know, it, it fucks up my paws. Um, you know, cut, trying to get the self-lift-off down, too. That's kind of affecting how I'm benching currently. Even though we're two weeks into the block, I can kind of see we need more practice on that. The setup, too. I'm trying to get away with the feet on the bench. 
I think sliding into the bench press with my toes up and then dry and then hovering from there and sitting my hips with maintaining that real big leg drive will help, but I need practice. Yep. Like the big problem with all of our preps have been we're trying to do those things, but we're 13 weeks out. Yep. Like you get four weeks of bad benching, you lost four weeks. Then you have to go back to, and we, d- we did that for the Arnold. Yes, exactly. We, d- we, we prepped the entire time sliding into it, and I'm like, I feel like this can work. I'm just not getting on my traps as much. And then the last week, we're like, fuck, I'm like, fuck it. I, I can't lose anything here. I'm just going to set up how I normally set up, and it was just the same bench press, yeah. just a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a frustrating lift, but we know that that's the one we have to improve if we had any shot of winning this thing. I agree. And, and I mean, so the, the way, like, going forward, like I mentioned, we're going just in on you doing heavier stuff consistently. Um, like the way that I've designed your protocol. So I, I completely, the biggest difference is I completely took out like the high rep bench day just to see if we can get away with doing that. Just, you know, making your bench feel stronger. But the, it's funny you brought up all those technical things. I think one of the reasons looking back on, you know, your, your past preps, I think one of the reasons why it hasn't necessarily translated as well is because you're just not going heavy enough to the point that it sort of integrates neurally. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, one of the hallmarks of coaching an advanced lifter versus somebody who's, you know, a little bit younger in terms of their training age is that in order to make those adaptions and get stronger, most of the time it's not really an issue of pure muscle mass. Don't get me wrong, you know, you need to be muscular to be strong, and, and that's going to ultimately be the reason why you get stronger over time is, you know, you, you add muscle mass. But usually one of the reasons why advanced lifters hit that wall is because they're just not as adapted to the little minute things that allow them to express strength with that usually large amount of muscle mass that they have. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen Angelo with his shirt off. He's he's jacked. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, sir. Thank you. Um, so, like, he, he looks like he should bench 405, if not more. Um, so, yeah, to, to me, I think we just simply need you to train heavier more often, and that's that's reflected in your protocol. So, like, big difference now, he's doing some tempo bench singles on his secondary day to help work on sorting out that, that issue of unevenness and uh, also allow him to get a, sort of a pseudo-heavy exposure because obviously the tempo limits the amount of weight that you can take despite the RPE being a little bit higher. So that's kind of the thought there. And then the, the rest of his days are just kind of moderate to lower repetition. And yeah, he is doing a lot of sets. I think I said this to him, but I, I went and looked back at like his absolute best bench press cycle that we've ever had which i think was maybe like our our second or third together yeah and one of the hallmarks of that was i just had him doing a lot of sets on his primary days and you know as much as i don't want you to be in the gym forever i also want you to bench 405 yeah no i'm yeah i'm fully in for it um that is going to be the uh, the main focus for us everyone knows it too i mean you get the dms how many times a week if you just bench 405 you could beat russ that's pretty much what I keep on getting. So, I mean, what like that would be, you know, a fifteen kilo increase in your yeah in your total. I mean, that's that closes the gap a lot. Yeah, and then you kind of rely on that deadlift. I mean, but again, that's like one of those things. Like, yeah, I know. Like, it's it'll be great if that was that easy, but it is. I think one of the more difficult lifts to get 
better on, especially when you're consistent. Like, and I'm again, like consistent. Like we've had progress when we first started, and we were really getting things on bench. But I think because of the amount of just let's just face it, high stress meets, and it, there's not been really an easy even even the Ultimate Warrior. It was a local meet, but it was still the goal of eight, totaling 800. And at the time, it was like I was one of four uh, to do it. So this is a lot of high stress things. Um, and when you're when you're when you're getting thrown into that, it's just, it's not the easiest thing to do is progress the lift that you struggle with, um, especially when you're going through a lot of progress with squat and deadlift. And I actually think with the increased squat that's where you saw kind of the difficulty of getting better at bench because after um, after Midwest primetime, like, my bench was feeling great. My upper body was not fatigued, like, pretty much ever. Like, it just wasn't ever beat up um, because it's because I was doing high bar squat, and my high bar squat was sitting at, like, 606 to 611. Then once we got to low bar, that's when I'm like, man, I don't feel my bench as much, and that's because I was just way more fatigued with my upper body. Will I take the trade off? Absolutely. If I bench 175 and was squatting 285, we would not be in a good situation. So the low bar change, I think, actually led to a potentially, like, diminished bench press. But we finally got that long off season where we could work on. And when we had last time we had a long off season, we did put five kilos on my bench press. That's true. So, like, that's something that, like, we – we're looking forward to, but when you get better at the sport, you're not taking long off seasons. Yeah. Um, right. Aside from this time, because we have, and it was only because of a calendar change. If yeah. the calendar doesn't change, we're never really taking that long of an off season. We're competing three times a year in a relatively short time frame. Yeah. And I mean, I do think as you, as you continue to advance in your career, dude, that, that, that like that third meet is, it's gotta be even more sandbag than we've taken it previously. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the sake of improvement. Um, but I, I think just to kind of wrap up bench press, the, the biggest thing for you at this point is that we you, you get to kind of give yourself a little bit more grace as far as the bench press goes. And now I, I know if you guys have ever spoken to, to Angelo about anything when it comes to, like, working on himself as a lifter, he's very hard on himself. And that's good, but it's it's, it's a double-edged sword as well. Yeah. Um, especially in meat prep mode. If something doesn't feel particularly good, it can be, it can be very easy for those thoughts to kind of like turn into like, you know, just essentially just hating a lift, you know? Um, but now, now that we're in the off season, you know, if we have those bad days, there's no pressure, Mm -hmm. you know, we can actually take them and, and really just be like, okay, we need to change these little minute things. Um, and like you mentioned, like besides programming, like, Angelo's working on self self handoffs now. We're trying to master that that slide in so that he can he can be a little bit more on his traps. Hopefully, you know, get his touch point a little bit more optimized that way. Um, the biggest thing from the coaching standpoint that I want you to to fix though is is that sort of unevenness that we have because that's yeah. always your always your Achilles heel every single time. Yeah, I feel it too. Like when I got when I got the handoff at nationals, I'm like shit. Like I'm uneven. Like I can't adjust myself. I'm like ah, you know, it's one sixty seven and a half. Maybe I could actually muscle it up and you get down to the chest and like shit like I, I i know immediately when i'm gonna miss a lift or when i'm gonna hit a uh, hit a lift so i mean you can groove it like i i think i like certain days i could groove 172 and hit it for a nice little pr or at certain days like i could miss 165 similar to what happened in virginia pro 
So the fact that we were working our range back into a 165 to 170 range is good. It's a little bit more reassuring. Um, and going forward, we just got to work into a range of 172. My goal is 172 to 177 and a half. If we could war- work our way into that range, that'll be solid. Um, and then from there, it gets a little bit like, you know, it gets a little bit, the, the range of bench presses, because you could take those bigger jumps, but then, you you know, you might be screwing yourself out of seven kilos on the deadlift. Yeah. So, yeah. So oh. that's why that range there is like, if we could, if I could hit 182 on a day, fantastic. But if I hit 177 and a half, not the worst day in the world. Like no. we actually will be very, I mean, we'll take that, I think every single time. Oh yeah. Uh, dude, I would, I would be leaping for joy. Now I'll tell you this though, the day that you do bench, you know, 182 plus on the yeah. platform. I'm standing on the bench. I, oh yeah. I'm going to, even though they didn't tell me to, and I will, I will stand on the bench press like Jen Thompson and make an ass of myself. Yeah. So I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll be up there with you. I will be <laughs> like, it, it will be the, like you think, <laughs> you think the celebration after your, after yeah. your third deadlift was, cr- oh my God. Yeah. I'm, for bench press. Yeah. We'll, yeah. I'll go nuts because yeah. that would be. That would be something. Yeah, that'll be big. That'll be big for my powerlifting career too. Like it's something. It's a milestone for everyone. Four hundred pounds. So still a milestone for me. Just I gotta get close to it before I start talking about it. Like yeah. that's one of those lifts that we're just. I actually say with better certainty that I'm more confident with like progressing with to a seven hundred pound squat <laughs> than I am like with a four hundred. Just based on how squats feel sometimes, and based on how bench feels sometimes. Damn it, edge load. Don't say yeah. That. Seriously, like sometimes I mean it's squats. Something like for nationals, it felt like I was just like, dude, I could move anything. Yeah. Like when a certain preps, like my position right now is really good. I'm like things feel. The first time I hit like seven, it was like six, eleven, on squats, and it was a PR, and how fast it moved and how good it felt. I'm like what? I was like, what the fuck just happened? Because yeah. I'm like, oh shit, this is a PR. And I walked it out, and I'm like, ooh, it's heavy. And then I got into, like, my squat position, and it just popped right up. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? I have never felt it on bench press. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I've never felt that emotion where I'm like, whoa, like, well, something's going on here. Like, I'm, I'm grooving this. Like, and it really, squat, we were working We didn't, We were working with a 300-kilo squat we didn't even know. Yeah. Because we had such a weird start. We had uh, the start point of 606. Right. So... Like, that, I guess, is, like, the groove that I'm getting into. Like, bench press, we've hit PRs. We hit 374. Like, all right, things – we hit 172 and a half once in the gym on a long pause. Yeah. Um, But, like, it was it was 172 RP 10. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, 400 maybe a little bit out of the question. I felt all of that and didn't really even feel that light in my hand getting down. We are just able to kind of muscle it up. Right. Um, So that's, I guess, the difference between the two. But it'll be great to get into a position where – I feel like I could bench four hundred five. Yeah, and you, you will, you will certainly get there, man. The is again, just I think this would be a great place to wrap bench up. The one thing that we've garnered from this prep is we now have the exact technical things that we need to work on, and we're doing that pretty systematically at this point. And two, we have the buildings of the training cycle that, like, we're, we're slowly figuring out, like. The programming that needs to change in order to assist those yeah. changes. Yeah. Now, deadlifts on to everybody's favorite. Yeah, this is why we saved it for last, so people didn't just exit out of the episode. Uh, we're not putting timestamps on when we're talking about deadlift either. Um, yeah, deadlifts. It was interesting. Um, it, was. it was 
I mean, we'll talk about prep and then going into the competition. The big thing is, which it was kind of clear as day once we got about eight weeks into training, it didn't hurt to deadlift. Yeah. That was pretty much it, really. Like, I was thinking my prep for the Arnold. I'm like, how did we progress from 771, which was a lift I've hit twice before, once in a competition, which I still don't know how I pulled it. It was not a great lift. It was a... I don't know what happened. That was like an 11. It was a, it was a bad lift. It, like, if I look at the videos, actually, Iron Volt, I think, posted on the on uh, their YouTube. Like, people were kind of dogging my technique, and I'm like, I'm not getting mad about that because it was, it was a cat-back pull. Like, it was it was a rounded-back bad pull. So I got that, and I'm like, all right, cool. I'll fucking walk away with that. And from the Arnold's prep, we were having the hip, lower mm-hmm. back thing, and I couldn't. I couldn't wedge properly. That's what I noticed. I was having a shorter wedge, and I couldn't get myself in a proper position because it hurt. It just hurt to deadlift. It hurt to do every rep. It hurt to do every single. Every single deadlift I did into the Arnold hurt. Yeah. Um, even on Mite. Um, don't think it contributed to 771, but I think my training, or missing 771 to lose to Gruden, but I think my training contributed to me not hitting 771. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I would argue, you know, in the back of, besides in the back of your head thinking, oh, this is probably going to hurt. Just having, having a, like that lack of momentum in training probably mm-hmm. didn't build your confidence up. Yeah. And, and, and like the RPEs that we were hitting on deadlifts going into the Arnold, just, I, I don't think I was matching them. Um, the back offsets were hard as well. Like they were really taking like a lot of energy from me. And it was, I think, because of poor technique. And falling out of bad, t- uh, out of like we got into some bad habits, mm-hmm. and I think that was because like things were just hurting. Like I had to try to alleviate pain, and my body was getting forced to do something it didn't want to do right. because we couldn't get into proper position. But I think eight weeks in, two nationals, there was like a few singles where I'm like I felt like I could move this faster, and then I kind of felt my wedge again. I, I remember hitting I think seven twenty two and the seven thirty three range, and things were feeling like they used to. I got in my my position a little bit easier, and yeah, I felt way more confident going into deadlifts, and that was that was the one lift where I'm like, we could make progress from the Arnold to nationals because we don't have to deal with an injury. Yeah, so uh, I actually I, I couldn't remember if it was the if it was April or May, but it was it was the first week in April um, where like I I wrote into my notes where I was like, oh shit. I think that's exactly what I wrote here is, is oh, sh- yeah, I wrote, oh, shit. Um, because your your deadlift sprung up from the previous week from being, like, a an overshot 305 to 322. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, 17 and a half keys on the top set in, like, one week. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. You know what? Uh, I actually got to give credit here. You know what actually helped? You said in that David Wilson video. Yeah, shout out David. Yeah, uh, having that, I think the cue that kind of got me back into that position was having all the work happen behind the wall. Mm-hmm. So setting up that wall and having all the work happen behind it really dialed in what my proper positioning was, and I think that really helped um, throughout prep. Um, and then you know that we like two weeks out hit seven fifty, felt right. solid. I was um, skipping around this gym like I was a little girl because I was so excited. Yeah, it moved well, but then, you know, we pulled 771 in in, uh, in the gym, which I actually almost missed that because I screamed. Yeah. And my, hand opened, and my hand opened up, and I would have been mad if I would have, if, like, if I was happy, 
You gotta be if I dropped it at the top, you would probably see the biggest like anger. <laughs> like fucking like throwing my belts across the gym and shit. Like temper tantrum you ever see if I fucked it up that way. But I was thinking like that's what actually got my confidence up to I didn't we'll talk about the competition, but I'm like, okay, seven seventy one's there. Like we yeah. can do it. It felt good in my hands and actually that was way better than I pulled it at Virginia Pro. Um and it was it was Chance Mitchell esque, you know, it was posts a lot of squat fatigue. Um we were we hit like a heavy squat the day before. Mm-hmm. Um we were fatigued and we were able to move it. So I'm like, shit, this taper could actually work and you never know what's gonna happen on deadlifts when you have the biggest deadlift in the session. Yeah. So that seven seventy one was a massive confidence boost. Uh goes without saying. That was the heaviest I ever pulled in the gym too. Yeah. Never pulled uh seven seventy one in the gym. Yeah, that was uh, I was I was gonna bring that up as well. You've you've never gone uh, close to that in the gym. And then I knew things were kind of dialed in one that back offset too. Yeah. Back offset we had five sets of two with seven hundred. Yeah, and that was that was a huge PR. You've never you've never done anything like that before. And it felt good. Like every pull actually we were I was kinda like, oh shit, I could I felt like I could rep it for about four or five because of how like it was just we were like at the first rep I'm like, oh, okay, like I can actually feel like once we get going and that's where that momentum really built with the uh, with the deadlift. There was that particular day. Um, didn't expect. I don't know if I'm going to say I didn't expect it, but meet day was that was what. That's why people were tuning into this is because we had a really good deadlift session mm-hmm. where we hit a big number and worked our way into second with a massive PR total. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just a, a couple things about this approach in comparison. So like I, I mentioned at the top. One of the big things was I really wanted you in the beginning of this prep to feel some kind of difference in the momentum. So I held you back for the first couple of weeks, and I was just like, okay, we need to focus on making your triples better and not singles. And again, you know, if any of the coaches are listening out there, just kind of a little tip for people, if, especially if you run singles year-round with somebody, if they're not making a lot of progress, that might be something you need to need to pull back on. Um, singles are great. They're awesome for practice, but if a lifter just has like no sense of momentum whatsoever, you might just have to switch up the top sets. And honestly, that's why for the majority of people that I work with, I kind of like to cycle between them these days. Um, now with Angelo, just because he's so like his technique on his singles can be very different from the way that he does reps. We left a single in there, but it was only at like a five RP just so he still had that practice. Um, so that was that was kind of a big difference compared to previous training cycles, and it worked. He started to pick up the momentum right towards the tail end of when we were doing those triples. And then a couple weeks later, um, so we had a sort of transitional phase where he was doing like a couple of singles, like, like the RPE on the singles were still low, um, but he was doing multiple singles. And then we transitioned to him doing one single, and literally a week later, that was when your, your deadlift shot back. Um, so that helped a lot. And then the other, the other big difference, uh, compared to cycles past, we've talked about how you've done high rep deadlifts on your secondary day. Uh, the big difference is that right around, uh, the tail end of prep, I actually started to cut down on that day a little bit just because it was getting very exhaustive for you. Um, you were doing, uh, towards the like sort of transitional block you were doing kind of what we usually do where we kind of cycle through some of the higher rep ranges on that. And you were telling me that you weren't feeling as recovered. So that following week, I cut down the number of sets that you were doing and we just kind of stuck 
Yeah. With that, that I think it was sevens. Yeah, we were we were just kind of we just stuck with sevens all the way through up until nationals and just kind of put a few kilos on every single week, just depending on you know how well the primary session was going. I would you know add a couple of kilos just to make sure you were there, and uh, that worked. That worked really really well. Yeah. Um. So. Again, I think this is something that's very specific to you only, but because you're such a gifted deadlifter, um, you know, pulling pulling high rep deads, uh, while it's it's helpful if you let it get out of hand, it can exhaust you and maybe take away from your primary day. Now, on the day, when it comes to the actual competition itself, I did your – so uh, shout out to, to Matt Holden, who was helping me handle you and Jimmy Villanueva. You hit your last warm-up, and you – you know, I, I told you to, you know, take your stuff and go over to the seating area by the platform. And I just, as soon as you were gone, I look up at Matt and I'm just like, did you see that last warm up? And he's like, yeah. Um, and so we both had smiles on our faces. And that was when Matt and I got to play chess. And that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, I mean, I got to experience it too. I got, I got, deadlift is when the competition started to like really kind of set home and kind of like, I actually got calmer throughout the deadlifts. Um, where, you know, during the competition, I'm, I'm definitely most nervous in my first squat, actually second squat too. Cause it's like, you got to really hit this to stay in the competition. Right. Um, but then after that, you know, things get calmer throughout the day deadlift sometimes like at nationals in 2021, I was just kind of like in a trance, like I was way more li- locked in. I was pissed off that I missed my bench press this time. I wasn't as pissed off. I guess when you're doing it so many times, it doesn't bother you as much. Um, so I was a little bit more calm and the last warm up felt really good. And I started to observe the competition just a little bit more. And that's what I saw. Like, and it actually put me, it's weird. You guys are stressed out as fuck. And I, the, it made me more calm, which is strange. I like, I really don't know how to describe that. I mean, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Cause like, if we were just kind of like, eh, you know, if we, if we weren't really worried about it, then. You know, on your end, you're like, ah, well, it's. I guess, I guess it just must not be important what I what I do at this point. You know, um, but yeah. So going going into pulls, we we knew that you had a chance. Um, obviously, you know, Sean was not having the best day, and uh, he he had had a fantastic prep on on deadlifts, but I don't I didn't think it was enough to like really push him that far out ahead of you. Um, and then, you know, Deuce was having a fantastic day. Yes, he was. Um, but, again, just based on history, uh, Deuce's pulls have always been a little, little odd. And, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll address this now. I know I know you and Steve have already talked about this, but um, I always keep $100 in my in my pocket at meets. Uh, and they, I think, have done away with this rule now. Well, but tech, I don't think they've done it because it's not an IPF. It's an IPF rule, and because we're not a part of the IPF, technically it's not a rule anymore. Okay. Even though it should be, like, I think there's, they should make it a rule again. Just make it your own rule, but make it a rule that there's $100 per challenge uh, for other people's lifts or just another way yeah. of doing that. Like, if you lose, if you miss a challenge, you don't get any challenges. Yeah, something. Um, anyway, r- regardless, uh, so for those that don't know, at least up until this Nationals, the rule is, is if somebody gets one red light, I, as another coach, can go up to the jury, if there's a jury present, and say, I believe that was a bad lift. Um, and you have to put $100 down if you're challenging in that way. And then if they disagree with you, they keep the $100. And then if they agree with you, they give it back. And the, the jury has to agree unanimously. 
So Angelo, you know, smoked his opener and comes out and just absolutely smokes his second. In fact, I would almost argue your second was even better than your opener. Yeah, it was. I think that was a moment there where I was like, okay, things feel good. 750 moved. I think 771 is a definite possibility. But I know once I hear more weight hitting the floor, that's where you're going to tell me what we got to do for our third. Right. Um, so we were paying very close attention to what, because at that point, Russ was just kind of out of touch. It just, it just wasn't going to happen. So we were, uh, I had, I had, um, Matt kind of observing, observing some numbers and, you know, I was just sort of watching and focusing on keeping you and, and Jimmy admittedly calm. Um, and Deuce went out for his third and it looked sketchy. It didn't look like it was necessarily a good lift. Uh, and then he got the red light. I, I literally, like, threw the $100 in Matt and was like, go, go. And so he ran out there. And uh, thankfully, the jury uh, ended up completely agreeing with us there. And that overturned Deuce's lift and, and kind of put us in this position now where not only did we have the chance to overtake him, but there was a chance with Sean. Um, and, you know, Steve obviously had... Um, he had a, a number that I knew Sean was capable of pulling in there, and I know he had originally wanted to go up to 332. Um, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was, uh, what, Steve Steve Singleton who was who was helping him out that day, right? I believe so, and, yeah. Yeah, and was it was Rob? I think there was a lot. There was a lot of people there. I think Jaron was there, yeah, Steve was there, and um, yeah, the, the two Steve, Singleton and Noby, obviously. Yeah, so I, I, so I believe Jaron and Steve uh, – said to Steve Denovi that, like, they should just keep it there. Um, and Matt Matt had already done the math. Uh, now, admittedly... Yeah, it wasn't, the, it wasn't it, the correct math. It was not the correct math because he mistook a two for a one. Shout out Matt and his discalculo over there. Yeah. Um, so we technically needed half a kilo less to beat Sean. But, uh, you know, we put the change in, and, yeah, uh, it was enough to beat Sean technically on body weight and half a kilo. Um, and I remember specifically, like I, I walked up to you and said, do you want to know what you're pulling? And you're just like, yeah. And I, I was like 357. And I just remember you going and, and just like smiling at me like, oh, okay, it's on. Um, and I couldn't tell if that was like you, you smiling like, oh, I got this or like, oh, okay. Like it was kind of both really. It was more so like it was a moment. I think I said on the podcast where I, I accepted the situation and that made me more calm. I'm okay. like, I total Dato two today. It's a tough meet. It's the best of the best over here. I'm um, in that weight class. It is um, minus Delaney. It's it's easily the best in the world. Agreed. Not even close. So like you're battling. You're in it again. You're always battle. You're always pushing these guys. You got something to be proud of still. Right. And it's like then you get a long off season. I'm kind of looking forward to all the things in my head. I'm like you get to go out to Vegas, my favorite city. Um, outside of Chicago, it's my fav- favorite city to go to. So all those things, and that's and then when I saw you guys, like kinda, I got my phone out, I posted on Instagram, like what you guys were doing. I was calm in that moment when he said 357. I was like, okay, that's obviously for because I think I, but I think I first asked, is it to beat Sean? Yeah. And then because I'm like, shit, like because we had the conversation the day before. If there's a number, right, to beat Russ, will you be comfortable doing it? If it meant fourth to first. So you drop out of podium position just so you can get that first. I'm like, yes. Like, the goal was to do better than last year. That's always the goal. Right. And then on top of that, it's like, this is going to be a huge PR total. Um, 
you know, and there's, and also like just kind of the, uh, my mindset, because I mean, it wasn't a, I mean, I guess there's friendly banter going on too of like me, because we were all, you know, competitive people that, um, people I associate myself in powerlifting with, but like, it's like, you know, well, this is going to be three straight meets. You didn't PR your total. It's like, well, you know, we could have PR the total. We could have got a 10 that day. Easy. Yeah. Or like. That's not why you do nationals is to PR a total or, and then on my, in my mind, like it's not to get third either. Yeah. So beating Sean, being the next guy next to Russ, this would be great if I hit it. Um, so I think that helped going into the poll. It was it. And we said the range, I'm like 350 to 355 is probably my range just because we've never hit over. We failed 772. Right. Um, at Midwest primetime. Right. So we've never gone above 771. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm comfortable going above 771, but we have to have a range here, and that's what I'm comfortable with, the 355. 357 is like, all right, it's a little bit heavier, but, I mean, it's not completely out of the range, and we would attempt 365 if it meant beating Russ. Yeah, of course. So, like, at, at, like at that moment, I was just accept my fate, um, and I, I got to admit, I, I probably voodoo child playing, the crowd getting into it, I – need to relive that moment somehow like i need to bottle that in because when i saw the people I'm like holy shit they're standing yeah and i looked I'm like they're fucking standing and i saw the camera phones i'm like oh shit they care about me equally to russ sonori and that got me into a thing and i'm like well i want to make more noise so i actually i never do this i told them fucking make more noise yeah um Dude, you, that, that room was loud yeah and it was it was it was a definite hectic atmosphere it was a great atmosphere and the pull felt good. It was a solid pull. It moved really well. It, I, I, and you know, and I was even happier that I got the two white light lift because I got a free ad read in the middle of it, which I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> the irony. Yeah, I could. I'm like, I'm like, this is the most perfect thing in the world. Like, I got the announcers to say two white lights for me as I'm doing it. Like, this is the greatest marketing I could think of. And then the crowd's reaction too, like. It was a, it was actually like how I would dream it. Minus I would be pulling for first, not second. Right. But Jimi Hendrix playing, Gino pumping the crowd up, the crowd actually getting excited for it. Yeah. Um, because sometimes like you're telling them to pump up the crowd, and they're just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And they kind of like flat out like they no they were up, they were standing, they were like on the fucking barricade, and it's just a goddamn blur. Like I'm trying to see if I could see people. I'm trying to see if I could see my girlfriend. I'm trying to see if I could see any of that shit. And that's got to help my pull, right? Like, all that energy and all that adrenaline. Um, the adrenaline didn't stop there. Yeah. I celebrated with you. I told the crowd to get up again. And they did. And they were fucking going crazy again. I'm like, this is awesome. And then I went, hugged a lot of people. I think Jimmy Villanueva, Matt Holden. Then I saw a barricade. <laughs> and I'm like, let's jump that fucking thing. Because I'm excited right now. There's a lot of adrenaline. And then... A, that was when the adrenaline started wearing off immediately when I left the floor. And I'm like, oh, shit, you don't have to land on your feet because you've never done it before. You never even tried to jump this high since football. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe if I just fucking flip it, I can, I can land and do an army, like, army roll out of this. But it just ended up hitting my goddamn face and ear, like, and it fucking, like, it, and then I'm like, okay, roll out of it, make sure, like, just get up, don't milk the p possible concussion that you have, and go and celebrate with people, and I'm like, okay, is everything okay? Like, everything feels decent. All right, and then... That was the... If, 
if y'all could have witnessed this, yeah. I, I wish they had backroom cameras for I, exactly I really, that purpose. I'm happy because, I mean, I mean, really obviously happy and they didn't because that would have gotten more share. It would have been, like, my nightmare of 2019 Nationals all over again of, like, having a solid, like, Nationals meet the first time I did one and then the only thing I hear about for about 22 months or 22 weeks was – Hey, remember that meme of you missing your deadlift? I didn't want, like, the next meme of me just fucking smashing into the floor or that constant, like, I don't know, boomerang or fucking TikTok that would possibly be memed into oblivion and no one actually remember the uh, 357 that I pulled. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was a really good ending to it, and it made everything a little bit sweeter. You knock off Sean Noriega, guy I admire. He was probably the first one to congratulate me. Yeah. Um, which was a great feeling. Totaled uh, 819, mm-hmm. which is a, a 819 and a half. 819 and a half. Sorry. Yeah, that half kilo is important. Yeah, that half kilo is important, as I found. Yeah, 819 and a half, um, which is a 10 kilo, which is over a 10 kilo meat PR for me, which is obviously that's that's kind of what I was looking for. Like, okay, we PR the meat total. We're there. We have a good range to work in. Also, 10 times body weight total. Yes. Um, First time. Sometimes I get a little bit like, eh, because I weighed in lighter. That's why it's a 10 times body weight total, but I'll take it. Hey. Yeah, it's still, close enough, right? I was, I'm 82 and a half. That's my weight class. I am a smaller 82 and a half kilo weight class guy. So, yeah, just a perfect ending and, you know, and um, got to share Got, and also just uh, just like kind of a recollection here because I don't get to talk about this a whole lot on Two White Lights, um, just to show. Being on the podium with Sean Noriega and Russ Orhe was a fucking moment for me. Um, 2019, I was watching primetime, and I remember just watching primetime and being like, I am as good as these guys. Maybe not Russ and Sean, but I think I'm, I look at the way they lift. I'm like, I think I lift... I think my technique is better than theirs. I think I'm as strong as theirs, and I saw how lit the primetime atmosphere was, and they were the stars of it. And, they I mean, they were out-totaling me, but I'm like, I feel like I'm better than them. And just to be – the primetime stage was a big moment. That's why I kind of had to, like, take a step back and videotape you guys just because it was cool to see, and I never thought I'd be in that situation. But just to podium and be – the second guy next to Russ, because that was always reserved. That was like, you know, dust it off of Sean. He's going to be there. To be there is cool. Granted, that second place doesn't really stick around in your head for that long. You're not sitting like, oh, second place, number two. The goal after that is number one. But just, you know, a guy who is always a perennial number two, one of the biggest names in powerlifting, Sean Noriega, that was... That was a moment. I mean, couldn't uh, – only way I could draw it up any better if I won. Yeah, agreed. And, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, going going into that into that pool, obviously when I make, like, changes and, like, I know it's for something big, like a big place jump, I get nervous. First time I've ever put in a, a change card and just been like, he's got this the whole time all the way out that I'm I'm just like he is going to make this lift and it's going to be amazing and e- easily easily my my favorite moment in coaching was seeing you seeing you lock out that lift and just watch you get two white lights and just like nail easily the best moment well yeah, that's 
It's great to hear. I mean, it's definitely the favorite moment of my powerlifting career. Um, honestly, like I keep on saying, sound like a broken record. Couldn't draw it up any better, um, aside from a victory. And we got to next up. Next up, that's what we got to do. So, I mean, a lot of this is where I talk about programming going forward and what we can do. It's going to be a long, a long off season. So the things you guys are going to be listening to, we already kind of discussed. Yeah, the things you're going to listen to are going to change a whole lot from here on till. The Arnold. So, yeah. I mean, what what are the program changes that you're thinking of? So the the listeners kind of have a good idea. So besides besides kind of some of the general stuff that I, I've spoken of so far, um, the big thing that I want to experiment with is seeing if we give you a little bit more time in kind of like going in on what I talked about on the bench press, giving you a little bit more time at like slightly higher RPEs to see if that gives you a little bit more of a boost. Because traditionally speaking, when I program for for you, it's pretty linear, right? Like it's, you know, the RPE moves up by, you know, one to half an RPE and pretty consistently, right? Um, so now, you know, now that I've been, been with you for a, a reasonable amount of time, I, I want to try, because there are some athletes that I work with that I have slightly different, like, RPE progression schemes. Like sometimes I'll, I'll just kind of keep an RPE static in that range of like seven to eight for a couple weeks at a time and see if we can like squeak out more kilos at a similar RPE. Um, I want to experiment with that a little bit and see if that helps you um, just adapt to that level of intensity better. Um, So that's kind of a general concept we're going to be going with a little bit more. Um, Your your deadlift in particular, uh, we're going to see if we can milk that idea of like focusing on the non-single top sets a little bit more um the other thing that the other kind of change that i i made there compared to our nats prep is i i have ramped up your um sets a bit earlier just because we don't have that stress that we had previously so Mm. we're going to see if we're going to see now if it really was a matter of oh we've we've come off of these multiple you know, meat preps and you needed that, or if maybe that's something that we actually should do going forward, you, you have like, you spend a little bit longer time with some lower stress deadlifting and maybe that helps you. Um, and the, the other thing too is on squats, especially, I felt like we needed a little bit of a reset on some of our back downs. Mm -hmm. Um, because I felt like a lot of the times what was happening is those back downs were getting so difficult that we, couldn't keep up the momentum that we had before. Like, yeah. I, I looked at a lot of your previous training cycles, and even though the backdowns were, you know, all intents and purposes easy, uh, you know, you still made a, a ton of progress. And I don't know, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not like we don't want to try to PR the, the backdowns as much as possible. But if, uh, you know, talking about another one of my lifters, if anything, uh, something that, like, coaching Charlie Yang has taught me is that you can put a lot of effort into moving the bar at maximum bar speed and just creating max force production with loads that you've hit before and keep good form and make a ton of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think kind of focusing on that a little bit more on squat especially and kind of almost kind of working our way back to some of the ranges that we were in uh, where things like weren't going as well, I think that'll create a lot more momentum on, on squat. Because yeah. let's face it, like adding more sets, reps, and weight is generally the things that most people focus on in terms of progressive overload. But technically speaking, if you move the same weight a lot better than you did before, faster, 
That's also a form of progressive overload. Mm. Um, so at least towards the beginning part of this offseason, that's kind of what we're focusing on, um, at least from a programming standpoint. Everything else is relatively similar. Um, again, I kind of went over the stuff with the, with the bench press where we're just giving you more heavy exposures in general just so that you can hopefully iron out some of those technical inadequacies because it's, it's not like you have that issue when you are benching lightweight, right? Like it, like maybe to a certain degree, but it really is exasperated when things get heavy. Yeah. So just giving you a little bit more time at, at those intensities, I think, I think that sort of, like I mentioned before, changing in the, the neural side of your training, kind of reorganizing that movement pattern, making note of like, you know, why you're uneven like what mm. what is it that's that's causing that unevenness is it is it the, is it the liftoff is it like you're not cueing a scapula correctly is it your wrist you know bend it, you know all those little things that's that's what we're really going to be working on on bench press and then honestly just kind of hammering home again shout out to to david hammering home this idea of you just making sure all of your work is happening behind the barbell yeah um I think I said it uh, when we were talking about your your primary deads uh, this week on like what you're doing correctly. We just kind of talked about how we're making note of these these cues, and we're just going to hammer them home consistently. And anytime we have a bad day, we're always going to be like, okay, these are the cues. Are we doing these correctly? And then if not, that's going to allow us to troubleshoot a lot better. Because I, I do think that one of the things that happened to us a lot during the reps where things weren't going so well is that we tried to troubleshoot with way too many different things. Mm -hmm. And now, now that we've kind of got down this, this process for making you feel better again, um, we're always going to default back to those first more than, than anything else rather than tossing around a a bunch of different ideas. Um, if I, if I had my, my way, um, this actually isn't in your program currently, but if I had my way, I would also like, uh, us to be doing more uh, leg accessory work. Yeah. Um, simply because I do think that there's only so much comp squat volume that you can recover from. I, I know I'm actually kind of contradicting myself from earlier because, like I said, I don't necessarily think you need bigger legs, but I, I actually do even think from, like, a neurological standpoint, if we could just get you doing more, like, compound lift style leg accessory work, that that would probably take a lot of... Actually, on, on both of your lifts, it would probably help contribute a lot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I just, like, as far as accessories go, whatever you want to put in there, that makes me just fucking jacked. Okay. Just more jacked. Like, that's... Good. You were working with nutritionists now, too. Yeah, so yeah, So I just yeah. started recently with... Uh, is it Melissa? It's it so it it's uh it's uh it's Melissa. It's um, it oh yeah because it's spelled with an A. Yeah, so, so you, you can call her Mal. Mal, yeah, Mal Win. So yeah, so we've been. I mean, it's it's early on, but I just kind of. I mean, we have such a long off season. We can really kind of just go to town on some accessories and um do some thing. I mean, I enjoy the accessories too. So yeah, just trying to get as jacked as possible with. Maintaining an eighty-two and a, eighty-four kilo uh, weight range, yeah, um, which is what we were kind of sitting at um, going into this prep too. If you guys like, I don't think my weights is uh, too much of a conversation, um, but I think this is the first time I experimented with a cut, and yeah, we didn't I really don't touch on that, really, yeah, and I don't really, I, I just still don't qualify as a cut. No, I don't think because so it was either. four, yeah, four thousand calories the night before. Yeah. Yeah, um, just because you were you were like hyper responding to the the protocol, you were just you were just 
your weight was just going down. So I was like, well, shit, we're just going to eat as much as we can, um, which was which was great. And you didn't really have to dehydrate yourself either. Yeah, you haven't really ever had to do like a full on water cut. So yeah, I don't think the, I, I mean, think even with sitting at eighty four, I don't know if that would. Yeah, I think I think now it's eighty two and a half, not eighty three. Yeah, maybe we're at a good position just to be at eighty four, and we don't have to push it too much because I think right now we're even fighting our maintenance calories and. You know, still a really de- relatively decent volume of food with being at weight. Yeah. Now I'm 82 and a half consistently. I don't know what happens after meets. I just become 82 and a half um, or be comp weight for a long time. I actually think, yeah, because, uh, I mean, I guess we are having conversation about my weight. The weight got heavy because of fucking the travel. That would make sense, actually. That was actually a really bad, like, week and a half as far as food and nutrition goes and sleep. So, like, we were getting really heavy and uncomfortably heavy. Yeah. I'm like, shit, I, I'm like, I'm like looking at myself like, I think I'm getting fat. Like, what's going on? I'm just, I think I'm just flat out getting fat here. So I'm eating, talk to me about fat. I'm, 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 I'm eating McDonald's and fucking Burger King and Popeye's just because we had, for, na- for guys who don't know, like, I don't know if I talked about on the podcast, for Collegiate Nationals, that week was a fucking nightmare. I, I know for you it was because you were coaching and you were handling and doing a ton. For me... I had to commentate most sessions, and I had to lift because I was in the middle of prep, technically. We were, like, 11 weeks out. Oh, yeah. So we had to get my lifts in at, like, 9 o'clock at night, then go home, and guess what? There's not a whole lot of things open at night, so you have to resort to shitty foods. And then during the day, I'm fucking eating fast food in between me commentating because there wasn't any carryover. There wasn't, like a two-hour break in between. There was very seldom we had those two-hour breaks for Fratnat. So. Yeah, I brought you Portillo's, I remember. Yeah, I had, I had Portillo's. I had – it was it was just bad. I was, like, so happy to eat healthy food after that meet, like getting back to Houston and slowly working my way back down to, like, 83.5 kilos. Like, and then as I was dropping weight, I actually felt better as it was being heavy because I don't think it was good weight I was putting on. But, yeah, that was fucking a nightmare. Okay, I'm going to share this one thing, though. Didn't tell you. <laughs> Oh, this is not this bad. It's not bad. It's not. It, well, it's gross. I'm going to forewarn you guys. So this gut cut, you're eating a specific amount of food. Right. I hate chocolate bars now. I can't look at chocolate bars. <laughs> I don't mind almonds. I don't mind protein shakes. Chocolate bars, for whatever reason, did me in. So when I took a shit. <laughs> oh, God. It's it gets worse. There was a considerable amount of blood. In the thing. Now, I freaked the fuck out because I'm like, that's it. My fucking stomach's fucked because of this gut cut. The the explanation's probably worse. I think because of the weird-ass food that I had, it was, like, so, like, fucking, like, compact and solid. It, like, cut my asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And I fucking woke. Dude, I'm I'm not fucking joking. The goddamn toilet bowl was red. It was... Fucking bleeding, and I'm like sitting there, like I gotta go to the hospital. I'm gonna have to drop out of nationals because I'm shitting blood. Dude. Turns out it was I wasn't shitting blood. Th- luck- luckily, like I don't know, I don't know how the fucking things worked. I don't know what was going on. Didn't check it out. Don't know how to check it out. I'm still not at a point where I'm comfortable with a doctor looking at my rectum, so I don't know like how you exactly go about doing this. But yeah, I was freaking out. Like, I'm like, I'm not telling anyone because I feel fine. 
if this ends up being a health concern, we're dealing with it after nationals because I'm not, I got to compete and I can't drop out. I'm in Vegas. I'm here. I have to do this fucking thing. So I'm sitting there like worried the entire time. Like, oh shit, I think I have a stomach ulcer. I don't know what happened. I guess a diet of chocolate bars, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, protein bars or protein shakes and almonds. This isn't the best for you, but luckily things were figured out once I got normal food in me. Turns out I was not shitting direct blood. It was just a natural body reaction of, I guess, my shit being hard. Wow. Uh, sh- shout out Steve DeNovi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so be prepared for that. Oh, God. Actually, I should go right into, speaking of assholes being cut open, Left Love Bros, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> go to leftlovebros.com and get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise in the game. Use promo code 2WL15. They sponsor fantastic me, such as the game day open. The banner's outside. CB's a little upset that the banners, the Left Floor Bros banners is not out. We had to we had to take it down for uh, some video shoots, and we were lazy about putting it back up. All right, there's the explanation, CB, so you got it. But regardless, if you guys want a Left Floor Bros banner or a 2 White Lives banner, go to leftfloorbros.com, use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money on the best powerlifting merchandise in the sport. I am not exaggerating. They make you look good from head to to toe. All right, so rectum bleeding is done. That was the Hopefully. first time. I, yeah, that was the first time. I, oh no, we're done talking about it, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess back on the programming here. I, I I don't know how can you segue from at that. Uh, well, I mean, are I, we done? Are we, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to give you like butt clenches or yeah, something. Yeah, or, some, I mean, no, everything. I mean, I'm not like Garrett Fear shitting himself on every <laughs> single lift, like literally and figuratively. Uh, but like. Yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck happened. Like, everything was good. Like, I think it was just because, I was warning you guys, if you do a gut cut, it's going to be weird. What's going to come out your body? It's not your normal diet. So you're eating a lot of food, but it's still not, like, enjoyable. You're not pigging out here. Apparently, when I tell people, like, I'm eating chocolate bars, they're like, this is pretty awesome. Like, no, believe it or not, I thought it would be awesome. Then I ate an entire chocolate bar in one sitting. <laughs> and then I'm like, this sucks. This is really shitty. And, yeah, I can't, uh, yeah, that that cherry, dark chocolate, probably a delicious chocolate bar. Can't, can't ever eat it again until the next time. You uh, you should go swap uh, horror stories with Andrew. I don't know if you have Oh, yeah, I've, yeah, Andrew. And also, uh, big shout out to him. He worked on me right. uh, for that as well. Yeah, uh, I, well, the horror story is him being in a hot car, right? Like a. 18 hours. Yeah. 18, oh, 18 hours of driving. I thought you meant for the water cut. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, yeah, he had to go in a, in a hot car for... My car. Yeah, uh, for a little bit there to sweat out. Like, uh, he was a child of an irresponsible parent. And yeah. they left him in the car without the windows. Wait, did, did you... I sent you the photo, yeah, right? Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. It's, yeah, that's something that I want to avoid at any time. Because uh, I don't think that'll lead to the best meet, so... No. No, I mean, admittedly, Andrew did pretty. Yeah, he did great. Yeah, yeah he's a guy who responds to adversity like a weirdo. Like Somehow. he has a yeah, he has a the weirdest life um, schedule. I guess I don't know like if I'm describing that very well, but he does weird things and crazy things for yeah the 18 hour drive, and then he had to compete like two weeks later, and had to do the death cut of all death cuts. It sounded like yeah, so extreme yeah. gut cut. Yeah, extreme. Yeah, I don't Jesus. Um. All right. I mean, uh, but as far as programming goes, anything else you want to add in there? Or? I mean, uh, honestly, man. Uh, like I said, all things. Uh, even though, even though, like we didn't necessarily hit massive PRs on on all three of the lifts. 
um, we put it together, and I think we got enough data to yeah. where, like, we can take this approach and just modify it slightly, add some accessory work to get you jacked, and, I mean, that's really all we need to it do. Built. The thing that I kind of, now, the, the whole thing is what we're getting. I mean, John Hack, by the way, posting on his story was fucking massive. I mean, if I didn't have much of a boner on the platform with Russ and Sean, the other fucking guy who was part of that, like, mega 83-kilo crew for... I mean, it's like the four horsemen, really. It was Hack, Gibbs, Russ, and Nori. That's like when I think of 83s. So him to post on a story, it's Russ versus Angelo now, was amazing. I thank you for all the clout you gave me. Um, a John Hack mention is better than any King of the Lifts repost. I can tell you that right now. Same thing with a Russ. If Russ just mentions you on a story, you're getting like 85 followers. I'm not exaggerating. I haven't got, I haven't got that clout since the first time I was posting on King of the Lifts. And that's actually surpassing what... So you get mentioned by one of these guys, it's going to be huge. But for me, it's more so we're working towards a number. Yes. We can't work towards Russ. That's where I think Nori fucks up sometimes. He works towards Russ. Yeah. We got to get into a range. We got to get into a range of totaling what the world record is. That's the next step. 2019, third, 20, or 20, not 2019. 2019 was like 14th. 2019, 14th. 2021, third. 2022nd. The next goal is to be the best. Like yeah. when we're closer to that more than ever. So I think we got to think about numbers. Like we got to like work our way into a total range that we can actually be in the consideration. And it's not going against Russ, really. It's right. going against all the boys. It's going right. against Nori again. It's going against Gruden because Gruden's looking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Gruden is actually probably the unsung 82 and a half kilo of the day because he's just continuously putting on – a lot of weight on his total. He's getting better, and he's a smaller 82, so he's going to be there forever. I um, mean, he's not hes not like 21 years old. He's in his late 20s. So he's going to stay there for a while. Gerald Scott had a fantastic meet. Yeah, um, keep an eye on him, that's for sure. Yeah, we've got to keep an eye on him. So it's like you got to work into a range where you're going to be in the hunt with the big dogs, and that's what I think the goal is. Just not competing against Russ, but competing for a number. So when we compete against Russ – we're in the conversation. Yep. And the difference here, we hit lift Samite. Yep. So we can be in position here to actually push Rush. And I I mean if our Russ, and if I'm in a position here to get him where a second pull means something to him, where like he might have to push his squad a little bit heavier because he knows I hit lifts, that's the key. But we have to actually work into that number range where I think occasionally Noriega he does that, like with those meets. But I still still think it's always Russ. Yeah. Like, he's he's thinking about that. Like, I think that the key is to think more or so about the number so we can actually be in the conversation when the day hits. It's one thing to be in conversation when the day is not there. Yeah. But when the day is there and he got the national judges and he got the people watching, then that's when he wanted to be in the conversation. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think – so the, the biggest thing for, for me from, like, a coaching standpoint – when, I mean, not even just just you, but it, it, I guess your your weight class is the best example. There are so many people that on any given day, you know, provided their training has gone a certain way, can come in and, and win the whole thing, mm. de- depending on on circumstances. Like obviously, you know, Russ is is five time champ for a reason. He has executed like a that's champ. what I was talking about about him today. He's he's now executing at a level that he wasn't executing in like 2018 and 2019. He's now the executioner. He's killing us. Yeah. He's he's a killer. He is hitting his lifts and consistent with hitting that range and going 
nine for nine. And I, again, people were like, oh, yeah, he always does that. No, guys, in 2019, this wasn't the case. It was very close to he was bombing out, and he was missing some lifts. He's turning himself into a Taylor Atwood-esque person or Jonathan Keiko where Russ isn't really missing lifts, but what happens if you push him a little bit? Like, does he start missing lifts, or, or do, you, do, you, do you push out of him an 850 total? Right. Right? Like, that's that's the, the, the thing about working into a certain range, a total range, where we're chasing a number, not exactly a person. Yeah. Yeah, and I think if I'm, you know, maybe maybe I'm being a little bit preemptive here, but, like, keep in mind that, you know, obviously Sean, Sean had a tough day, you know, tech, technicality-wise, and... and uh, you know, had some had some mishaps as far as like his his squat stance and like his his butt hovering on the bench and just a bunch of different things, but you know we as Sean has has shown when Sean executes he's he's deadly too yeah um and, and you know all the rest of these these guys who are in the conversation right now all of all of y'all have the potential to be right up there and that's why this is going to be such an interesting off season. Um, that said, I, I think you know that that number that in order to be in the conversation, you know, we got to be probably like 830 to as high as 850. It depends yeah, we on gotta, what everybody we gotta, else is doing. Yeah, you got to, I mean, Russ's best total, the world record total he posted was 841. Right. Or, I mean, the unofficial world record total. Right. That's kind of what you have to think about. You have to think about 801. I Going in the previous or two white lights, I'm like, okay, with his injury, 830 to 840. But then once you start pushing him, like, that's why I'm like, you got to start really going after numbers because if you go – and Russ is starting to total 850, and you get that in your head during competition day, that's when you completely fuck up. Like, that's what might happen to you if you start to get better and start putting up numbers that are pushing someone else, which is a good thing, which is a good thing for the sport and yourself because you're pushing yourself to the old world record totals and battling head-to-head and making the best powerlifter in your weight class of all time better. So that's kind of like the uh, where I'm where I'm thinking about it, um, but I'm I'm gonna say this right now. October's or September, I think that was announced just now. Yeah, just now. So when this podcast is released, it's old news almost because uh, we're dropping this on a Friday and recording this on a Thursday. Nationals is in September. I need Russ before September. I want him to do the Arnold. I want Noriega to do the Arnold. I want Gruden to do the Arnold. I want every 82.5 kilo lifter to do the Arnold. Now, I don't know what the fuck it's going to be, the Grand Prix, the Grand Finale, because Nori's going to leapfrog me because he's a dick and he's doing a meet this week that's going to get me on points. Yeah, the Uber but at one, the same right? time, like, I mean, tell, opt out of it and just do the Pro-American or whatever we're going to do because that's when I want Russ. That's when I want Nori. That's when I want Gruden. That's when I... But Gerald Scott, too. That's why I want all these guys. Hell, fucking Delaney, even though he's got Sheffield two weeks later, and he won't be able to do it. That's when I want these guys because September's too long for me to wait. I you know, agree. it's just way too long. You have to wait an entire year for this. Arnold is the next big meet in the USAPL. And I, I don't know. I, I, like, I feel like Russ isn't too interested in doing the Arnold. I know Gruden likes doing it because it's out of football season, so right. that'll be good for him. Um, I mean, I'm not, I don't know Gerald Scott personally, but of course you would want to do the Arnold, right? Like, you're a gamer now. You're a big dog now. You're top five now. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty new power lifter, so I, I yeah. don't think he's done the Arnold yet. So, exactly. of, course the, of course the allure is there. But I'm saying, like, I know Russ really plans his shit with business, and I love that he does that, but I think that's business right there. You can really work something out to you build up enough hype for the Arnold. 
all of fitness communities there. You can get the C-Pod packed. Hopefully it's in the C-Pod. I don't know how they're going to plan it out. Yeah, really hoping it's a C-Pod just for spectator viewing experience and following along with the meet. Yes. And, and, and having our weight class battle there. I think that's perfect. And he, I mean, you know he's going to deliver the best content leading up to it. I'm in the same city as him, so we can work with the same thing and building up a hype for the Arnold. Same thing with Nori because everything he's doing is getting better. And then you add Gruden and Gerald Scott to the mix. You have a shit ton of things that you can do to make that meet a just a mega a mega meet, a large spectator meet. And you know fucking Russ is going to bring in the audience. You know the 82 and a half is going to bring in the audience. People like watching the 82 and a half. So it was the most I, I, I don't know about live stream. I mean, live, live stream views were a little bit down mainly because of the live stream. But the amount of people who were there to watch that was the most out of all the sessions. Oh, yeah. That, that whole, that whole primetime session was just electric from the beginning. Yeah. So, I mean, and we saw it. Like, I was like, oh, this is a full house. People in, po- people in powerlifting are just going to be at the Arnold. It's going to be similar to Nationals. People go out to the Arnold to meet Russ. People go out in a lot of places to meet Russ because he's that polarizing of a figure. I'm thinking for business and just through general interest and also giving me a shot, I would love to see Russ at the Arnold. That's the next meet I'm doing. That's the plan. And I think of Noriega, Gruden, Gerald Scott, whoever else wants to throw their hat in the ring, Kyle DeLeon, David Chan. You can get Nationals Part 2 in Columbus, and I'm fucking ready for it. Like, let's. Uh, I want to get that going. I want Russ. I want... All those guys, I want the top dogs to do the Arnold. That to me is because I can't. I can't fucking wait to September. It's already a long off season going to March, Agreed. going into September. That's too damn long. I need something there, and I'm not doing the corrupted classic. I'm commentating the damn thing. Yeah, I think ju- just between you and me, um, I-, I think the only reason we didn't see as much Arnold participation this year is just because of how back to back everything was. I think now that they've officially. Uh, announced when Nationals is, I'm more than willing to bet that all of those boys that you just mentioned are going to be like, yeah, let's let's fucking do it. Yeah. Um, and just from a coaching standpoint, I, I, fuck, I, I I cannot wait to I can't wait to play chess against those guys again. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get the same crowd. You're gonna get the same. I mean, I could only flex goes where Russ goes. Of course. So flex goes where Russ goes. You know that for a fact. Apparently, you know, Matt Gar- Gary's, I don't know if it's a permanent thing where he's working with Gruden, because uh, he had Tiffany Long, I think, handle him at the Arnold. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I don't know if it's a permanent thing, but, I mean, Mac, of course that'll be great. Steve DeNovi and, you know, all the Team Nori, I mean, they're obviously great opponents. I think this could be big. I'm just selfishly speaking. I just want to do this. Like, that's a, if that's my next meet, Every meet that I do from now on, I want it to be the most professional thing you can do because professionals compete. They compete frequently. They compete at the big stages. No more of this, I'm competing once a year and that's it, or two times a year and that's what I'm doing. Compete frequently, put yourself in the season, and the Arnold and the Pro Series meets, the Virginia Pro Nationals, those are the meets you do if you're one of the top lifters and you're a professional lifter, and I think this is a professional thing to do is to go to the Arnold and put on a goddamn show. Yeah, and I, I dude, I, I mean, we we talk so much about how much shit like that improves the sport. You want you want the sport to be big and you and honestly, even from like a business standpoint, you want to continue to make things go bigger and bigger as far as your own personal brand goes. 
let's let's have this happen. Let's have these showdowns happen. Uh, you know, let's let's have have all these great lifters doing doing these meets frequently. Make it exciting. You know, have we have all these great meet directors in the USAPL putting yeah. on these fantastic meets that are coming up. You know, Carolina Primetime comes to mind. Texas Barbell Syndicate, uh, the supposed. Uh, pro meet that's going to be happening in Hawaii. I don't know if that's still like a for sure thing. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, yeah, it's going to. The meet's going to happen. Okay, so like, like all, all these, all these great meet directors are putting on all these these meets. Let's let's get the talent in there and yeah. let's uh, you know let's let's for actually. Sure. And I and I want the talent to actually like do these things. I want yeah. the talent to compete more frequently. I actually, as much as Ash competes, I want more people to do something similar to that. Maybe it's not five times a meet a year like what Ash does, but three times a year I think is a perfect amount. And I want to see more lifters do it. And, of course, it's because of that's what I want to compete against is the the guys who can push me and I could push them the most. It's pretty much an addiction to this point um, where you really don't want to do a whole lot of meets that isn't just an absolute dogfight. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what I look forward to. And, um that's what uh that's what I that's what I for personally that's what I need to happen. I mean, we could talk about like advancing the sport and all these things. It's it's me. I want this to happen. Right. I, I I want I want I mean, you could only once you kind of get that taste of it, like someone's like, "Hey man, you think you can beat Russ?" You just want to dive right into it. Oh yeah. And right now like I I think both I know he's doing the corrupted classic, but I don't know how like it's probably gonna be lower key. Yeah, I don't I know. Guess. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. He's gonna put on a show. He's a showman. He's Floyd Mayweather, right? He's Floyd Mayweather. You know what Floyd Mayweather did for a lot of people? He made them a lot of money that he got went up against because once you're associated with that or going up against that person, that person gets the exposure too, and that's what he is. He's he's the Floyd Mayweather type. He's the money. He's the face. Everyone's focused on him. So. Give me that fucking shot. Let me be Marcos Maidana. Let me be uh, uh, fucking Miguel Cotto. Where all those guys made bank after that shit. I'm just hoping I beat them because Floyd Mayweather fucking dusted them. Yeah. I want to fucking. I want. I want to be. I want to be them exactly. Yeah. I want to. Yeah. I want to be the. You know, the person who is in that conversation. But at the same time, it's a different sport because not only that, you get the other polarizing figure, Sean Oriega, too. So. I don't know. I don't know what their plans are, what they're doing, how it's going to be, like, set up, you know, because it could be Sean Noriega and the Grand Prix and it's a completely different competition. Like, if he goes earlier or later, it's not the same thing. Like, no one – very similar to Delaney. Like, we did have an advantage on Delaney because he competed in the morning and we already kind of knew what he was going to do. So, you can't inadvertently – you can't compete against someone who's not on the same flight or on the same platform as you. Like, you just can't do it, so – that's my dream. I'm hoping we can get there. I'm hoping those gentlemen sign up and put on a show. I mean, I guess if a quarter of them sign up, it'll be enough to motivate me. I'd love to go against Gruden for a fourth time. I'd love to go against Noriega a third time. I'm 2-0. Oh. 2-0 oh against Noriega. Never thought I'd say that in my career going head-to-head against him. Oh, no. So, yeah, never thought that. Uh, so, like, I would love to go against him a third and putting his best foot forward. I'd love that. Gerald Scott looks like a goddamn animal. Yeah, he I'm, looks like a he looks like a juggernaut waiting to happen. So of course I want to go on the same flight as him. Like let's see let's see what you're capable of. Kylie Dillon's been coming after me, <laughs> it, uh, go, dating back to 
I don't know when that was. November? I don't. I don't remember. But he still got you on bench, man. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I had to. I had to drink that Jack Daniels that I had to pay for because yeah. he, uh, my openers or his openers, my third attempt is nowhere near his opener. I'm bench press. He's he totaled seven ninety. He's a dog too. Like yeah. that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to in in my competition and what's gonna get me there is some obsidian smelling salts. Ladies and gentlemen, go to HypeDust.com, use promo code 2WL15, and get yourself the best-smelling salts in powerlifting. We're not going to do the test today. Uh, Steve's been doing that live for us. It's been fantastic. But the inhaler, the pack that we've been given with the um, with the uh, the inhaler and the smelling salts, that is the best because they give you – it's about $45 – very affordable. You keep one in the gym, and you keep one for personal use, and you have another one for personal use as well. It's fantastic. Use promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money, and they have a lot to choose from as well. Just to just to give uh, Obsidian another shout-out, my uh, roommate Andrew, the uh, manual therapist we were giving props to, yeah. uh, that got him through the 18-hour yeah, drive to he Vegas. He was ripping so. smelling salts. You know, I got a two-and-a-half-hour drive back to Houston. I might be ripping some smelling salts on the way there. Use promo code 2WL15 if you're going to stay awake or use it to hit a PR. Keep it in the gym as well. Buy, buy some for your gym buddies. Just do it. It's a nice communal thing to do. Speaking of that, I always say I'm pretty sure Tim Thibodeau stole my Obsidian Smelling Salts 2019 Nationals. I gave him I gave him it for another lifter, and he's like, oh, thanks, man. And it was there for, like, the entire day. And then on my third attempt, it was gone. Could have been Tim. Could have been the other 17 people there. But... That was the last person I saw with it, and that's the only name I knew. So I'm just going to credit it to Tim. Yeah, just got to make that headcanon at this point. Yeah. And also, what's going to help me is Stoic Gear, because I got to get all these ad reads in. Stoic Gear, use promo code ANGELA10 to get yourself the best powerlifting merchandise, or the best powerlifting gear. I wear Stoic Gear in the gym and on the platform because it is quality, it is the best, and it doesn't break the bank either. Use that promo code Angelo10 to make it more affordable. Knee sleeves, wrist wraps, belts, singlets, they're all quality, and you're not just paying for the label. You're paying for the quality. And that's why you should get yourself some stoic gear. All right. I'm sweating. Yeah, I'm 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 getting a little warm myself. Yeah. So we could end this one. Um thank you for doing this. Of course. It's always a pleasure. This is a this is an enjoyable one because we just kind of talked about nonsense there for about thirty five minutes. Yeah, uh, my yeah, I'm wondering if there's gonna be a meme made about me shitting blood. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, I never, I have not deadlift. shared, I have not shared that story with anyone. <laughs> with uh, aside, anyone? aside from my girlfriend. Okay. Because if I told her, she would have made me go to the hospital, and I would have pulled out of the meat. Oh yeah. So like, and the same thing with you. I'm like, if I tell anyone, they're gonna make me go to the hospital, and I'm not doing that. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm yeah. I'm glad all the the cool shit that was might have been said this episode is gonna get overshadowed by that happens in my powerlifting life. Um. So Fourth of July weekend is coming up on Tuesday, not Monday. Tuesday, Gabby Martinez should be on the show. The plan is to record with her tomorrow. That's gonna be a Friday, and then we'll release that episode hopefully on a Tuesday. I don't want to make any guarantees, but as a next planned guest, and that will do it for Two White Lights. See you all on Tuesday. Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy this weekend. Peace.